Well, I'm going to have you turn to John 3, 16. Go ahead and... T- now, some of you veterans, you're like, wait a minute, I've known that verse my whole life. I'm not turning in my Bible. Come on. Your pastor's turning there. You can turn there. If you do not have a Bible today and you would like to have one to read out of, please raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. Uh, if any of you are looking for the Word of God this morning, you can raise your hand. I've got one right over here next to David. Anybody else? And we'll have the Scriptures up on the screen as well. All right, I've got one back there in the back corner as well. I feel like an auctioneer. I got one over here. One over here. All right, let's not do that about the Word of God. And by the way, if you need a Bible, that Bible that's given, that is provided for you this morning, please take it with you. Um, that, that you can continue to read and understand the Word of God. Today we're talking about Advent love. And my biggest question to you, my biggest challenge to you, is have you intersected, have you had a meeting with God? Have you had a meeting with God? I'm not sure that I've ever thought about the incarnation, the coming of Christ as a meeting per se. Now some of you, as I look out, I know many of you, and I know that many of you have had a meeting with God. Some of you are currently scheduling a meeting with God, or He's scheduling one with you. The beauty of the Christmas story is that it is God scheduling a meeting with man. Are you going to take the meeting? Are you going to take the meeting? Christmas came early. Did you know that? Christmas came on December 8th. Did you know that? I bet many of you didn't know that. How many of you know how to finish this statement? Where were you the day that... Wow, are you guys awake today? Come on. Did you stay up all night... Assembling swing sets and bikes and things like that. Uh, Where were you the day that? Thank you. Kennedy got shot. Or, you know, spam was invented. Nobody's going to say that. It's always Kennedy got shot. So yes, or or, uh, December 8th was one of those days that I will always remember where I was when I heard this news. Yes, this is the tree that keeps giving Amazon packaging. If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't, for some reason, our tree here just keeps showing up with Amazon gifts. It's like your porch during the entire month of December. So there's a gift here. Mitzi, you can relax. All of you can relax. I'm going to, this was my gift. All right, this is my gift. It came on, uh, came on December 8th. I know exactly where I was when I heard this news. I was in the Taco Bell drive-thru. I'll never look at the Taco Bell drive-thru the same way again. And I was listening to the radio. I had been scouring the internet for about a week, looking for any tidbit, any news. Maybe not so unlike God's people waiting for Messiah in a certain sense. Right? The promised one. The one that would change life as we know it. You see... These beautiful words I heard December 8th sitting in the Taco Bell lunch line. 
didn't have to do with this verse. But it had to do with that man. Right there. Let's just be quiet for a moment. And soak this in. It's just the gift that keeps giving. This was a press conference that happened yesterday. That individual went to a press conference, not unlike myself, wearing a shirt and a tie. And, uh, oh, look what Christmas brought me. Oh, look, it's even in Christmas red. This is fantastic. Now, you may be saying, I don't follow baseball, Pastor. Tough. That's my illustration today. <laughs> you see, folks, that gentleman that is on the screen has been called the Babe Ruth of baseball. Every major league team wanted him. I know. I got my cord. Look, this wasn't easy for him either. He had somebody helping. So, uh, his name is Shohei Otani. He throws over 100 miles an hour as a pitcher. He has three plus off-speed balls that he can throw. He also hits like Babe Ruth. We've never seen this before. You've never seen this before. You see, this gentleman was so coveted that he sent a letter to all 30 Major League Baseball teams giving a pronouncement, I'm coming to America. And here are the things I'm looking for. And so two weeks ago, it came down to 17. And my angels were one of them. And nobody took us seriously. Nobody thought that would happen. And then, on December 8th, in the Taco Bell drive through I heard the words that will change the angels' organization in the history book. Even Jim Isham texted me over this. <laughs> it was a glorious day. Here's some quotes. Because the fantastic thing is, as soon as he signed with the Angels, ESPN, Fox News, all the blogs, <laughs> that's the sound of him hitting a home run. It was amazing. No idea what that was but let's just go with it. Uh, now you're awake. I think our sound guy thought you guys were falling asleep. Is it a little warm in here? Are you starting to glaze over? Okay, some of you are like, no. Some of you are yes. Some of you are, Dale, we can never fix it for the masses. But here's the fantastic thing is that it came down to just seven teams on the uh, West Coast. Once they knew that the Angels won the prize, everybody tuned out could care less that the angels won this individual, except for one thing. 
Why on earth would he go there? Nobody in their right mind would sign with the angels. Let me tell you why. I heard that. You better check your membership. This is a quote yesterday by, by Otani's manager. What mattered to him most wasn't market size, time zone, or league, but he felt a true bond with the angels. And see, the general manager understood that. It's even understood. It, one of the quotes was, the skipper of the angels, Mike Sosha, in this meeting where they had two hour face-to-face with Otani, he actually made him laugh with something Sosha said. That's, that's a Christmas miracle, folks. That just doesn't happen. But look at what the response was by one of the reporters. We all loved it. And we officially loved Shohei Otani. Of course we did. How could you not love him after today? Folks, today's message isn't about Otani. Obviously, I'm using it as a straw man argument. But not many people would have said that Jesus should have been born in Bethlehem. And if you're a Seattle Mariners fan, you're much like the Pharisees at the time of Jesus. I'm so sorry for you. I'll stare right into the camera and say, I'm so sorry for you. You see, their former general manager was our former general manager who ruined our club. And he went all in. And he sold off a bunch of players. He did all these things thinking that he would appeal to Otani based off of all the reasons the manager said he didn't care about. Does that sound familiar as to Christ coming and what men expected and how men showed up and all the fanfare and all the expectation and Jesus says I'm going to be born in a manger and I'm coming for one reason and it's love it's love let's get to it this morning for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life now pastor what do you why are you picking this passage when we're talking about Christmas because the question is why did Christ come Christmas time begs that question. Why did God send Himself to earth? Why did He insert Himself in all the muck and mire that we run around in? And not only that, why did He put Himself into a manger, born in a stable, not a house, not a palace, but in humble means? Why would He do that? He did it because the Father so loved you that He sent His only Son. His only Son. Now, that verse has tremendous impact. We're actually going to look at the passage of Scripture this morning that speaks to this. I'm going to take this hat off because it's going to be a distraction for those over 50 that don't wear hats inside buildings. So let's just honor those folks on top of the fact I can't see with the hat on. I'm not taking this off. (laughs) Let's look at a couple things this morning. As we try to unpack this idea that the Father so loved you, me, 
that he would sacrifice his son and put his son into humble means, a humble estate. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you noticed the the, uh, stable out front, but it is award-winning. You need to be here Friday and Saturday, and if you're in it, you need to be here Wednesday. But I'll tell you, I was out there last night, and we've got... We've got uh, raindrop LED lights in the trees, and I set up our first light, and it looks fantastic. But i got to tell you, I was out there for about a half hour, and I was frozen, right? I was so cold. And yet what crossed my mind as I tried to like do all my work inside the stable, that was a bit foolish, but I thought it might be a little warmer in here. That's what God inserted himself into as a baby if we don't have the perfect labor and delivery room at Kaiser we're upset if we don't have the perfect nurse or we don't have the the right pediatrician we're we get a little bent if our medical services aren't just right God said I'm not gonna give him any of that he's going into the stable why because he loves you because he loves you And the only way I know how to impress this on you is is each of you are so dynamically different. God has fearfully and wonderfully made each of you. So let's look at two people during the time of Christ and look at the uniqueness of who they are. It's only two. I don't have enough to cover all of us. But see, let's look, let's explore and see what the meaning of the birth of Christ means to these individuals. Shall we? And then we'll know why he did it. Then we'll know why he did it. So turn to John 3, and you have a Pharisee who's part of the Sanhedrin, a very intelligent man, a pragmatist, a ruler, a leader, and he seeks audience with Jesus when Jesus has started his ministry, probably about 30, 31 years of age at this point. And in Jerusalem, he seeks private counsel with Christ. You see, he didn't want to be seen with Christ because he knew that it could cost him. It could cost him his reputation. It could cost him his credibility. But Nicodemus couldn't let it go. Being an intelligent man, he couldn't let it go. He had a need. He had a hunger. He had a desire. There's a little bit of speculation on my part here, but think about the risk-reward, brothers and sisters. And this may be you today. Thinking about the risk and reward, he had to take the risk. He had to meet privately. You don't do that unless there is a need. And this particular gentleman being a very pragmatic uh, ruler, he's a problem solver. He deals with the pragmatism. He deals with the law. He deals with reality, right? Is that you? That this whole thing about God and Jesus just doesn't make sense. It's based in faith. The dots don't connect. That's where we find Nicodemus. And so he has a private audience with Jesus. I like to picture it being on a rooftop at night in Jerusalem. Kind of under a moonlight sky. And maybe there's a couple oil lamps burning and they're talking in hushed tones. And when you look at the passage, 
I'll read the whole thing. I have up here the part I want you to focus on. It's Jesus' response. But listen to this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Just like a man. No, more like a practical thinker, right? This guy's used to dealing with the law. Jesus doesn't make sense. But he knows who Jesus is, and he verifies it and gives credibility to it in his statement. He says, no one can do what you do unless he is from who? Unless he's from God. And because of what he knew, there's a tension going on inside. There's a tension going on inside. Now, Jesus gives him spiritual talk. He gives him spiritual talk. He knows enough to be spiritually helpless, Nicodemus. Today, do you identify with that? That you've got your ducks in a row you got your investment portfolio figured out. You've got your degrees lined up. You're a bootstrap, get-it-done person, self-sufficient. But when you come across Jesus, all of a sudden you realize maybe you just don't know everything. There's something, there's a tension, just like in Nicodemus. And Jesus calls a meeting. Do you take the meeting? Well, Nicodemus took the meeting. Nicodemus took the meeting. And what's the result? Well, Jesus says this. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be true? He's still stuck in his pragmatic mind. Here you have the representation, brothers and sisters, of so many of us, that we've got to have all the dots connected and what Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you're not getting it. These are spiritual things and you have ignored. You who are a ruler over our people, Israel, you have ignored your spirit. Because if you paid attention to your spirit, you would know who I am. You would understand how I'm speaking. It would respond to your spirit. How many walking around us, or maybe even in this room today, that we have ignored our souls. Our souls are starving. Our spirits are starving. And because we ignore the soul, because we ignore the spirit, we just try to wrap our heads around things. And on some levels, that's working. 
But on other levels, just like Nicodemus, there's a hole. There's a tension. And now he's taking a meeting with Jesus. And what happens? Actually, I'm going to back that up. I played my hand too quickly there. He knows enough that his answers are insufficient. He knows enough that there's a mystery, a power, a truth, and love in Jesus. And lastly, he loved the message enough to become a follower of that mystery. When you look deeper into the story, there were two individuals that went to Pilate at great risk to get the body of Jesus Christ that it might be buried in a particular tomb. One of those individuals was Nicodemus. And there's a strong belief within the church that he never would have done that had not this message of this meeting spoken to his spirit. And when he connected why he came, when he connected the very words that were said to him by Christ, for God, your Father, Jehovah, who you, who you believe in, so loved you that he sent me and as Nicodemus would have watched either close or afar, Christ being crucified. It didn't speak to his mind, it spoke to his heart. And he understood what that verse means, where it says God so loved Nicodemus. So much so that there must have been a change of heart, where the pragmatic man connected the dots enough that the heart responded, just like the blogger said, how could we not love him? How could we not love him? So that's Nicodemus. Let's turn to another story here out of Luke 7. Turn to Luke 7 if you can. Turn, it's just back right behind John in the New Testament. Third gospel in the New Testament. And we're going to look at a very unfamiliar individual in the stories of the gospels. But I think she represents very much so why many of us don't understand the love of God. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced there's a reason why for her it was such a struggle. And for many today, as we celebrate Christmas, this can be a struggle. This can be a struggle. So Luke 7, let's start in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. This is exactly what the Seattle Mariners are saying today. If Otani really understood what losers the angels are, he never would have gone. They're going to figure it out. But that's not the end of the story. And Jesus 
answered or answering said to him. Oh, wait, stop just a second. This is a beautiful play on words. Don't you love like tricking somebody? Your pastor just asked you if you love tricking people. I don't know if there's a dichotomy in there somehow. But watch this. That might not have been the best choice of words. But it says this. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said what? To himself. Folks, this language means he didn't tell anybody. He's got that inner voice going. And what's it say? <laughs> this guy really was a prophet. He'd know who this person was. What is the very next thing Luke tells us? Oh, Jesus answered him. You know, Jesus does that. What a personal touch. You see, the Pharisee who's so enamored with connecting dots, so disconnected with his spiritual sense, uses these words, if he were a prophet. Jesus knows exactly what he's thinking. So he addresses the question that was never spoken, thereby answering a question that isn't explicitly answered. His answer is all about the woman, but what did he just do? <clears throat> you doubt that I'm a prophet? Let me answer your secret question. And how did he answer it? This Seattle Pharisee. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Great words by Jesus. Which one will love him more? Pharisees weren't known for being loving. So Jesus answers him, says, I know what you're thinking. I'm in your head. But you've got to disconnect from here to here, Mr. Pharisee. You've got all your dots connected and it's getting you nowhere. You don't understand this. And so he uses an analogy. And the very end of the analogy is, which one loves more? And the Pharisee answers, well, i got to give it to him. i got to give it to him. Simon answered, the one I suppose... <laughs> You're like, well, I guess you got to say it this way. The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Did you notice the title? It changed. I've never done that. I've never changed a sermon title in the middle of the sermon. She loved much. She did it for love. Therefore, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, 
Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She knew she was rejected by others. You know, I can relate a little bit to this. And so as I thought, what two examples, because I only have time for two, what two examples can I put out there that maybe people will resonate with? I resonate with this gal. I know that my faith is a result of wondering what on earth was my place in this world. What on earth was my place in this world? I had a very um, fortunate opportunity being adopted by parents that provided for me, cared for me, and in their own way loved me. But when you find out, you know, for years you're like, wait a minute, I don't, you know, how is this working? I don't, you know. And then, you know, when you're 28, you find out you're adopted. I thought that would play out a little bit better. No, okay, you're all tense because it's such a serious moment. I've dealt with it for 51 years, so I joke a lot about it. Okay, everybody just relax, we're all okay. Yes, it is an intimate moment, but let's go with it. But there was dots that weren't connected. And then when you find out at age seven, it really starts to mess with your head because there are questions you cannot answer. And sometimes those are the worst questions, aren't they? Because they haunt you, and the enemy will twist those questions, and you'll get the wrong understanding of yourself. And it starts to make you feel worthless. You constantly see yourself as rejected, so whenever you fail at something, you know, it's just a double, double punch all over the place. And so when I heard these stories about Christ, that he did it for love, that he adopted us as sons and daughters. When I heard this message, it didn't speak to my mind, it spoke to my heart. Much like this gal. I took the meeting. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. She loved much when she intersected with Jesus Christ. Let's get back to this verse that we started with. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. Let me ask this question. Who is the whosoever? Otani sent a letter to 30 teams. Every team had the opportunity. Now, some of you are theologians out there, all right? And my alma mater, you're going to tune in and, and uh, you're going to take my degree back right now. Uh, you know, there's this whole thing of limited atonement, unlimited atonement. You don't need to concern yourself so much with that other than know what those two things are. Limited atonement is formed as a theology based off of of theologians, scholars that are looking at the wholeness of Scripture and they're systematically and logically coming to a reasonable approach to how all this works. Now some look at the wholeness of the New Testament Scriptures and the plan of salvation and they say that, that Christ came and died for the elect. Alright? Uh, because we see this word over and over and we see the word predestined over and over. And so we got to do something with that. We can't ignore that. 
And so the way that we can logically look at that is that eventually, as those who are in heaven and uh, the new Jerusalem comes and new heavens and new earth and the time of grace and, and the church is over with and, and that's it, then those who are redeemed are redeemed. There are no more to be redeemed. And there will be those who never took the meeting with Christ. Well, did he die for those people? The people that didn't take the meeting, did he die for those people as well? Because when you get into the grammar and, and all these things, it starts to shape all this. But then there's others who look at this verse and say, the whosoever is the whosoever. The world is the world. That there is no limitation on God's grace that it is spoken to those. Just like Otani wrote the letter to 30 teams. Now those 30 teams will have a chance in three years to sign him for the biggest contract ever in baseball. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm trying to get on the uh, management team. This morning, what matters in all of that is this. You are hearing this invitation today. You are hearing this invitation. Jesus came because God loved you. Jesus came because God loves you. Don't get caught up on all that. Well, am I pre-done? Am I like... You know what? That's all going to be worked out when we're standing before the throne of God. Amen? Amen? The reality in this moment right now is you hear this beautiful story about love that God sent His Son for whoever. He loved the world. He has compassion. He loves them. And so He's willing to sacrifice for them. He's willing to make a bond. The question is, are you going to take the meeting? Are you going to take some meetings? Some interesting things happened when the phone call came on December 8th. There is um, some idolatry going on in Angel Nation. By the way, you know, it's not so much that I love the angels, but it fits with Christmas. Come on. <laughs> like, I wanted to hold this thing. I wanted to hold this. Like, I go like this. Let's see how good we are at, at playing pantomime. Ready? We make a great team. See, you couldn't do that with Mariners. Mariners, we have watched sink. Although I like that. It's got a good ring to it. What happened in the offices at the Angels Stadium is, again, a little too much idolatry going on for our general manager because he truly made this happen. He walks into the assistant general manager's office. The phone rings, and it's the agent for Otani. And he says, well... Shohei really responded to who you were as people. And he really formed a bond with you. And it's because of that he wants to be an angel. The assistant manager went like this and just buried his head. Billy Epler had stood up when he realized who it was, had his hands on the edge of the desk, and when he heard that Otani was coming, he was so overcome that he, he started to tremble and he went to sit down and he fell on the floor. He was so disoriented 
and so excited that he miscalculated where the chair was. He literally fell out of his chair because this individual said he had a bond and it's going to change this organization. Are you ready to fall out of the chair because of this love story? Are you ready to fall out of the chair because of the love story? If we're going to do all of that for a silly baseball game, what about the one who can truly change our lives? The one who came in humble circumstances. The one who has come and given everything that you and I might have life. The one who can change our lives. The one who can give a gift we could never purchase. All given to us because the Father, what? Loved us. This morning as we look at this verse and as we close, my question is again, love wakes up people. It wakes them up. It woke up Nicodemus, didn't it? And it woke up this woman who saw herself as worthless and pointless. And all of society saw her as worthless and pointless. And yet Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. She loves much. My question this morning to you is, did you take the meeting? Did you take the meeting with Jesus? And did you fall out of the chair? I hope so. My last question is, are you still falling out of the chair? You see, this... Whoops. Oh, now i got to go through all of them again. This question, did you fall out of the chair? There may be some in the room today. And let me just share this with you. Jesus says her faith has made her well. She understood who Jesus was. Her spirit understood who Jesus was. Nicodemus finally listened to the message of Christ, but examined his life, and it matched. And that verse, those words, he didn't say it was a verse. These were the words Jesus gave to Nicodemus, and he watched it live out on the cross. And it changed his life. He took the meeting. This morning for you, you may not have taken that meeting yet. And your biggest gift that you can receive today is the gift God gave you. And that's salvation through Jesus Christ who came to earth as a baby so that you and I might be free, but not just free, be loved. What a tragic story all of this would be if love wasn't in it. Let me go over this real quickly. If, if today you need to take that meeting, Romans 10.9 says this, Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. This is a statement of faith just like the young woman but you have to follow up with it. You have to follow through. Her actions were much more than the Pharisees, weren't they? There has to be a convincing action of love. She loved much. Think of those words that Jesus would say that about you. That you loved much. That's what has to happen within our heart. And that's what Christ does in our heart. The question is, are you going to take the meeting? We need the desire to be born again. Nicodemus had the desire. 
He just didn't get it. And that's okay. There was a journey for Nicodemus. But he kept taking the meeting. We need to be born again knowing that we need the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ in order that our sinful self might be forgiven, just like this woman. We need to follow Him. Not just listen or acknowledge or praise Him, but we need to follow Him. If you can say authentically that your conviction or your heart is ready for this step, then you're already there. Otani hasn't hit a ball. He hasn't pitched a ball yet, but Angel Nation says he's here. He's here. We have this whole formalism that you have to pray this prayer and then you're saved. Well, there's two bad things about that. One is anybody can pray a prayer. But there can be a big miss. The Pharisee could have prayed the prayer. And there was a big miss there. So it's not about praying the prayer. The other part is, is that we made this prayer up in the United States in, right after the Civil War. Churches kind of made it about doing this prayer. Now, we need to confess, but we need to follow. We need to follow. Is there any doubt whose team I'm on? And I'm not talking about the angels. But this is a metaphor, right? We need to follow. It's not just enough to say something but it's a picture of how this woman approached Christ. It's the picture of Nicodemus coming back at great risk to get the body of Christ that he might honor it. You believe and you have made a choice from conviction that is a choice to follow that Jesus says your sins are forgiven and your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Another part of our Advent series on Christmas Eve day. My encouragement to you today is this. There is much to learn about Jesus and God. The Scriptures are a trove of incredible information, without a doubt. But take love out of it, and you take Christ out of it. Take love out of it, and you take God out of it. Take your spiritual sense of who you are, and you'll never take the meeting. This morning, can I encourage you? Take the meeting. And if you have taken the meeting, my challenge to you is this Christmas, are you still falling out of the chair? If you're not, do whatever it takes to get to that point. Why did he do it? He did it for love. Am I talking about Otani? No. I mean, he says, he says it was. But this story is about Jesus Christ. He did it for love. He did it for you. Today my encouragement is take that meeting. Listen carefully and let your spirit respond. Let me close our time in prayer. We're going to have the worship team come on up and we're going to respond in worship today. Let's stand as I pray. Father, you have given us many great things, the chief of which is your love through the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us be amazed. Let us be moved because of the love of this gift. 
Let us take that meeting if we have not yet. Let us pursue that meeting like, like the sinful woman did. Let us sit and quietly listen to an eventual awakening of our spirit like Nicodemus had. And if we have had that meeting, Father, let us stay to a point where we're continually falling out of the chair. Thank you for the love that is in this story. Speak to each heart today. Amen.